Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast, episode 28. You are listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with Dr. Abby Medcalf. Change your relationship even if your partner won't do a thing. Hey everyone, welcome to the Relationships Made Easy podcast. And I'd like to start today by saying hello. My name is Abby and I'm a control freak. So actually, I like to call myself a control enthusiast because that sounds better. But no matter you know what language you use, I'm someone who likes to be in control, and some may have called me bossy, uh, even that other B word when I'm extra special controlling. So if you're struggling with control issues, I see you, and I know the struggle is real. So in this episode, I'm going to speak to you about your control issues, and then next week, we're going to talk about what to do if your partner is controlling, you know, if they're jealous or controlling or any of that stuff. So, and I want to Quick, give a shout out to the person um, who told me to do this. And her name is Heidi L. And uh, she messaged me on Facebook and said, hey, you know, had a question about controlling. And I said, oh, I'm so going to get to that because it's brilliant. So I want to thank Heidi. You're getting not one, but two episodes, girl. Uh, And I I really always appreciate when you guys reach out and uh, send me messages. And I'm going to start giving some more shout outs as I do this because pretty much all my topics are from you. Wonderful you. People who write in. Again, you can message me on Facebook. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com, whatever floats your boat. So let's jump in. We have a lot to do today. So today you're going to learn the following. You're in the right place if this is what you want to learn. You're going to learn the four main reasons why you might be controlling to begin with. Two new ways to look at control because we need to kind of look at it in a different mindset. How to identify your triggers. You have triggers for control. You might not realize it. And then as always, I'm all about helping you solve problems. So I'm going to give you my top five tools to move you from controlling and crazy to calm and chill. Yeah, that's what's coming at you today. So let me say first that just about every 
couple and person I work with has control issues. Some partners are most comfortable when they're in control and others are most comfortable when their partner is control in control. But either way, that's a control issue. Either way, if you're the passive one or if you're the controlling one, it doesn't matter. It's a control thing. So, and being controlling is actually a group of behaviors and thoughts that are based on fear. And if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, you can't have a love relationship based on fear, people, or a healthy relationship in any way. So if you're controlling, you're afraid of allowing others to see that you need, you know, love or a hug or help in dealing with something. There's a vulnerability you're not allowing others to see. And as you know, because I talk about vulnerability a lot, it's uh, not a weakness. It's actually being accessible to others. So what happens a lot is, you know, we have control issues because you're afraid that things will get out of control, whatever that means. Uh, if you loosen the reins, you say things like, it's just easier to do it myself, or it's quicker if I just handle it, uh, or I don't like how he or she does X, so I'll just do it. Or uh, if my partner forgets, then I'll have double the work later. So that's why I have to do this. And I hear all of this, I people, I hear you. I've said these words myself, but I definitely hear it from my clients. And I can tell you that all of this is fear language. So we're, before we get into the problem solving, like I said, I want to talk about why you might be controlling. And there's, there's um, actually some, you know, main, four main reasons, as I mentioned earlier, about why you might be controlling. So Reason one, some of you have had some trauma in your childhood, often something you haven't even identified as a trauma, and it's created this response. So you don't want to be at the mercy of others. Maybe, you know, you were neglected by a parent or had a parent who was so controlling that you're craving control in your current life, you know, because they were always in control. Maybe you were the victim of sexual or physical or emotional abuse, and you don't want to let anyone see cracks in your current armor for fear that they'll take advantage of you. Again, you can't be in a love relationship and afraid that your partner, your most trusted person in the world, is going to take advantage of you. This is not a love relationship. Once again, you're not allowing your partner true access to you, so there's no true intimacy. But these are, again, this is some sort of trauma in your childhood, again, something that you might not even have identified as a trauma can be a reason that you're controlling. And related to this is reason too, I'm just going to pull out one of those things about often people feel neglected or felt neglected in some way by one or both of their parents or guardians. And in this case, you had to control your environment from a very early age just to survive and get by. You became used to relying on only yourself because you didn't feel you could rely on those who were supposed to be in the driver's seat, you know, the adults in your life who were supposed to be doing things. So that pattern of thoughts and behaviors gets set and it's hard to break. And it's interesting with neglect, you know, I've worked with people who grew up with lots of money and all kinds of stuff around them. And there was still neglect because there's emotional neglect. And that's, I think, sometimes one of the hardest things, because when there's things all around you and maybe even there was a nanny to take care of you or, you know, some person there or, or siblings or whatever, it, it it's harder to see it as neglect because, you know, you went to the dentist, you had plenty of food, you, you even had all the toys you wanted maybe, but you can still be emotionally neglected. And that's an easy thing to miss. And again, that can just feel 
that can feel like neglect or that can feel even like a trauma. Um, so those two things. Reason number three, you might be controlling, you're being controlled by someone else currently. So feel the need to exert control wherever you can when you're out of that person's uh, sphere of influence. Now, maybe this is a super controlling boss or maybe your spouse or partner is domineering or jealous, something like that. You might have a manipulative or overprotective parent who still runs part of your life. It could be any of these things. And you feel like in your current life, these people are controlling stuff. So I'm going to take back control in the ways that I can. And I want to give a shout out here to the ways we take back control. Uh, Any kind of issues with food, drugs and alcohol, Uh, those are very specifically control issues. You know, we're taking control. No one can control whether or not you eat or, you know, if you take a drug or drink. And it's a, it's a kind of simple way to get control back in your life. So a lot of times, uh, folks with drug or alcohol problems or eating disorders, uh, this is really a piece of that. Okay. And reason number four that you might be controlling is I'm going to, so here's the deal. (laughs) I'm stuttering. Sorry. I've worked with a lot of women who were professionals before having kids. I've had so many of these women over the years. And then they made the decision, sometimes passively, to stay home with their kids and not go back to work. And I think many of these women have control issues because they're frustrated. Uh, you know, dealing with soccer schedules, uh, figuring out foods for Jane's gluten allergy, juggling gymnastics, trombone lessons and tutoring. All these keep them super busy, but their brains are not stimulated and they're actually bored and frustrated. So you know this, you can run around like crazy and still be bored, just like you can be in a room full of people and feel lonely. There, there's, those things can't, don't, aren't, can be connected. So this boredom, I believe, makes these smart, thoughtful, energetic women into controlling crazy people (laughs) who, again, try to exert control where they can uh, and bring something to their day-to-day lives that they're missing that they had in their work or professional lives. And I I have been taking down quotes for a little while from clients So these are actual things clients have said to me who I believe fall in this category. I had one say, Abby, I need a divorce. I just can't live with someone who can't even see that there's still jelly all over the counter after he supposedly cleaned the kitchen. That was one. Uh, (laughs) Abby, I was up all last night seething. This came in an email. Just thinking about how, I'm not going to say the husband's name, but how he stepped right over the toilet paper that I left at the bottom of the stairs instead of just picking it up and bring it to the upstairs bathroom. And uh, this was something uh, one of the gentlemen I work with said. He said, Abby, she's driving me crazy. I don't understand what she does all day. I ask her to do things for me or the kids while I'm at work and half the stuff never gets done. And all of these are control issues. Now, I'm not saying you're not right to want your, I don't know, for this husband, I'll take the last quote. So, you know, this is someone who wanted his kids in more activities and the wife feels overwhelmed by all the activities and running them around. So she's cut down the activities and the husband's freaking out about it. He feels like she's home, you know, all day. What does she have to do? You know, just take care of the kids (laughs) so you can see the problem here. And, um, 
he, you know, he, he believes this is what should be happening with his children. And he believes he's doing his part by working and bringing home money and creating this, you know, environment for them. And why isn't she doing her part? You know, but there's, and I, of course, I said to him something along the lines of, you know, does she come to your work and tell you how to work? Does she tell you how you should be doing your job? So, you know, a full-time job of parenting, it has pieces to it that the other person who's not the full-time parent can't really understand fully. Uh, Even when they have days when they take over for the kids and full days, it's very different to hold all the pieces, to hold all the doctor's appointments. And, you know, if there's a, if your kid gets sick in the middle of the night, you know, is there Tylenol in the cabinet? Is there a thermometer to take their temperature? Those little covers that go on the thermometer, if you you use the ear one, uh, are there doctor's numbers right there? You know, who does all that, right? There's generally the person who's uh, in charge of the kids does those pieces. There's just a lot of pieces that aren't the day-to-day, you know, hey, I have the kids for the day, when you know you're not the primary person the rest of the time. And so that gets, and again, I think that there's a negotiation that should happen and some talking about how this could all look, but to just sort of blanketly state this needs to happen because that's what I think, and I'm doing my part, you have to do your part, you know, this kind of stuff gets really controlling. And as you might imagine, partners really rail and fight back when they're feeling controlled. You know this because you do it when someone's trying to control you. Well, when you're controlling your partner or trying to control your partner, um, this same thing happens. They they pull back. So, okay. So let's talk about two new ways to look at control. Now, the first new way of looking at your control issues is to realize that it's a defense mechanism, not a personality trait. You can absolutely change this. It's a state of being, so you can absolutely change it. Now, since your controlling behavior is a defense mechanism, that's really what it is. The big question I want you to ask yourself is, what am I defending? If you feel like a controlling person, or if you've been told you are, think to yourself, what am I defending? What am I so afraid of that I feel a need to, to cover it up in this way, you know, to, to, to manipulate or strong arm or, you know, tell everybody my opinion and it has to be this way. You've got to start wondering why you're defending yourself and just who do you think is attacking you? Or who's so scary that you need to defend? Is it your partner, your most, again, trusted, I hope, person in the world? So this is this first thing to look at. It's not a personality trait to be controlling. It's a learned behavior. And we definitely, even those of us with control issues like me, I have lots of times I'm not controlling because I'm, you know, meditating and doing all these good things. And and a lot of the things I'm going to, the tips I'm going to suggest to you later, I do these. And so I'm able to hold my controlling nature in check a lot of the time. And there's a lot of the time I don't because, uh, again, my fear gets the better of me. So this is always the struggle back and forth. Now, the second new way of looking at your control issues is to see your control issues like a drug. This craving to micromanage, control the actions or behaviors of your partner or kids or keeping any kind of rigid rules or routines is all something to look at. It doesn't mean you need to change them. It doesn't mean they're wrong. Not saying that. It means you want to look at them. Uh, Just like it's a problem if you're craving drugs, it's a problem if you're craving control. And so if you can start to see it in these two ways, uh, number one, it, it really makes it something malleable that you can change, that you can work on, and quickly and easily. Even if you've been a control freak your whole life, you really can make changes. Uh, you just 
you, you got to know it's happening and you have to, again, see it as a defense and something you're sort of quote unquote addicted to something that you really just makes you feel better. Just like if you're really anxious all day and you come home and have a glass of wine or something, you immediately relax. It works. It does. You relax, you feel better. Well, the same thing happens when we're controlling. We relax. Our anxiety lessens when we go, okay, that's all here and the kids are in bed or whatever, you know, whatever it is that you wanted to make happen happens. So now, just like with drugs, there are often triggers for controlling behavior. I told you I talk about triggers and I'm going to lay those out for you now. I have about my six top triggers and the top one is definitely stress. Without a doubt, people start to get stressed, they have too much on their plates, or they experience whatever they have is too much, and then they get controlling as they attempt to keep everything in line. So for sure, if you have high stress in your life, you likely have high controlling behavior in your life. Another trigger I see for controlling behavior is perfectionism. This is definitely related to this this stress and this (laughs) relentless need to have everything a certain way. There's With perfectionism, you know, there's something tied to whatever you're trying to control. That could be, you know, your self-esteem, your ego. Something is tied to what you want to have happen. Uh, You're tied to things being a certain way because that's the way it should be with little thought often into why it needs to be this way. And uh, I have a a dad I'm working with who, um, and I actually had another woman have the same issue, a separate couple, but who's, uh, you know, having trouble getting their kid dressed in the morning. Not, not a shock to anyone who's had kids out there and, uh, you know, struggling. And I said to them, uh, both of these kids are pretty young. They're like four. The other one is five. I said, what if you just let them go out in their pajamas? Just said to them, Hey, here's the clothes. If you're gonna, you know, put them on great. If not, we're going to leave still at seven o'clock or whatever time you have to leave the house and uh, just take the clothes with you to wherever you're going and they can change later if they want. You can leave them at school with them if that's the case, but, you know, let them deal with being in their jammies. And in both cases, it's interesting now that I think about it, both of them said, I'd be so embarrassed. I can't imagine bringing my kid out in their jammies. I feel so embarrassed. And I, you know, really asked them to look at that. Like, what is that? So they're getting in this power struggle with their kid in the morning. It's every morning. It's this huge thing. And so how, you know, how else can we look at it? And this idea of just, well, what if this just wasn't a struggle at all and you didn't care if they wore their jammies? Now, maybe you do. Maybe you live in Antarctica and it's freezing out and they really can't be in their jammies. (laughs) They need something warmer. I don't know. But think it through and don't just decide, well, that's just how it has to be. All right. Trigger number three is being unsure. When things are in flux or changing, the controlling teeth come out. Being unpredictable often feels scary. It's that fear again. And controlling folks want to get things back in line again before it all goes haywire. You know, there's this idea that it's all going to go crazy. It's all going to go to shit if I, if I let it. And so anything that feels like change, being unsure, any ambivalence, ambiguity, the, the stress comes out. Number four trigger, overscheduling. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I got to tell you, this is a biggie. People tend to not only overschedule, but to plan everything down to the minute in the overschedule. So it never, it kind of never works. I wouldn't say never, but often doesn't. <laughs> you need to expect delays and schedule in cushions for these things. Expect them. They're going to happen. If you always think, well, it takes 10 minutes to drive my kids to school, then you should always give yourself 15 or 17 minutes to drive your kids to school because invariably there's going to be days where there's more traffic or someone is late running out the door or whatever. If you have that five minute, you don't need hour cushion, but a five minute cushion, it'll be really helpful. You really want to think about whether, you know, if you're sleeping until the very last second and then feeling rushed out of the door in the morning, it is no way to start your day. And by the way, it's one of the biggest complaints of teens and children about their parents uh, in the different studies that get done about this, that they complain that their parents are rushing them. That's actually one of their biggest complaints. It gives your children a ton of stress. But let's even say you don't have kids. It gives you a ton of stress. You don't need all the stress. You can, you know, sleep uh, five minutes less. It doesn't have to be a lot, but give yourself a little room. So scheduling 10 things after your kids get out of school is too much. Take things off your plate. It doesn't have to all get done. And this, of course, relates back to triggers one and two, stress and perfectionism. Okay. Trigger number five is impatience. Again, really linked. All these are very closely linked, aren't they? Many of us get caught up in our impatience. I know I do. It's one of my harder things. If you've, if you've ever watched your child try to zipper their jacket for the first time when you're trying to get them out of the house, you know what I'm talking about for impatience. And when frustration bubbles up and things aren't going exactly as planned, we get upset and there goes that controlling behavior. So when we're, especially when we're trying to control our partners and we want them to be a certain place at a certain time, lateness is definitely a biggie in couples. And again, trying to kind of control how the other person shows up or when or where it and there's a lot of impatience around it and a lot of uh, anger and frustration. And it's really when, again, we get so controlling about what has to happen and uh, we're going to be late. And it's like, well, what if we just don't keep scheduling dinner so early when we know that never happens? You know, what if we tried to change and absorb what we could expect instead of being surprised every time? And then last, and it's really what all of these triggers are about, the the trigger for stress, or really what stress is all about and control is all about is anxiety. All the triggers are really about anxiety. It doesn't matter if you have a diagnosable condition or not. Control is all about some fear-based anxiety of some sort. You worry about the future. Uh, maybe you're stressing about the past. You have apprehension about an upcoming meeting or obligation. Uh, you're nervous about your daughter making the basketball team or, you know, your partner is jealous and you're feeling that you're agonizing about what school to choose for your son. All of these feelings of uneasiness, discomfort and concern. These are all anxiety 
This is all anxiety. And they all lead to control issues because you try to alleviate the upsetting feeling by controlling something in some way, uh, making, you know, 50 calls uh, for your kid or staying up all night, uh, you know, figuring something out for a plan for, I don't know, even a vacation. I have people sometimes losing sleep over vacations. I think, really? It's a vacation. It's supposed to be a fun thing. Um, but as they try to, they're stressed about taking time off of work or maybe scheduling, if they have kids, scheduling the kids things and getting everything together. And so they end up all night making lists and doing all this stuff. I can't tell you how, mother, how many mothers I speak to who vacations are sh- more stressful than feel fun. And there's something there about about, well, what are we trying to do? How much are we trying to pack in? Maybe we can leave some things off the schedule. Again, all this anxiety just drives this worry about how things should or shouldn't be uh, drives things. So, and here's the deal. Love doesn't trigger control. Does not. Fear does. But love-based emotions, you know, openness, intimacy, kindness, compassion, willingness, ease, and connection, they all make us feel relaxed, happy, and peaceful. And none of these trigger control. And that's often how you can tell right there. When you're in, you know, gratitude, if you're really appreciating someone and you're in gratitude, if you notice, you don't feel controlling. You don't. You're, you're, you're in this kind of open, expansive state because it's a love-based emotion. When you're in these fear-based emotions, though, that's where it all starts to kick in and the control starts to kick in. So one of the easiest things, obviously, is to sort of shift to the, to the love. So, and how do you do it? How do you leave this fear-based control world and get yourself over to the love-based world? Well, as always, I have tips for you. There are actually some really tried and true methods to move you from, from control to being a total calm and patient ninja. Haha. I, I don't know if I've ever been a calm and patient ninja, but I have my moments. So here are my top five tools. And uh, the first one uh, is um, right. If you do nothing else and only do this, you, you'll be great. You don't even have to listen to the podcast anymore after this first one. <laughs> no, you should listen to the end, but you know what I mean? Learning to relax, really. Now, I've always hated when people tell me, just relax. You know, there's no just about it. Learning to relax is a skill. And like any other skill, you need to practice it to get good at it. But how the hell do you practice being relaxed? If, if I always want to say, if I could do it, I wouldn't need to practice it, right? But you do actually need to practice it. And I have the answer for you. It's something called progressive muscle relaxation or PMR, called PMR. And PMR progressive muscle relaxation was developed by uh, Dr. Edmund Jacobson in the 1930s. And he was trained at Harvard by William James, who's known as the father of modern psychology. William James is kind of the bomb diggity. Anyway, and Jacobson's premise was that mental calmness is a natural result of physical relaxation. And he's right. PMR has been researched quite a bit, and I'm going to give you some links in the show notes for those of you who like to go look at the research. It's been researched quite a bit and it's been shown to be a highly effective tool to lessen stress, anxiety, depression, insomnia, and even chronic pain symptoms. And when these things are lessened, you will be less controlling. I promise. I, it's what's going to happen. So 
Now, PMR is basically a deep relaxation technique, which uses, it's a simple system of basically tensing or or tightening one muscle group at a time as you progress, usually from like your head to your feet. Now, when you're in a controlling state, you're anxious and this shows up with physical stiffness in your body. If you think about it, you know it's true. And right now it might be happening. Your shoulders are inching up to your ears. Right now, just, just sort of push your shoulders down. You'll see that they were up a little bit. There's jaw clenching. Again, right now, you can kind of open your mouth and r- release your jaw a little bit. Having the tongue on the roof of your mouth, check that out right now. Where's the? Is your tongue on the roof of your mouth? Relax it. Tightening your stomach muscles and breathing out of your chest. I notice that sometimes when I'm driving, because sometimes I can drive a little fast, um, <laughs> that my muscles, uh, stomach muscles are kind of tight because I'm, you know, maybe again, driving a little too fast. Um, and it's not good. And I have to slow down and, and make sure I'm again, breathing out of my stomach, not my chest. I've talked about this before. When you start to breathe out of your chest, you your brain thinks you're about to fight and it starts to release cortisol, a stress-inducing hormone. So it's really important to drop those shoulders and to breathe out of your belly as much as possible. Now, this is one of the reasons, and, and all of this is one are the reasons that people with anxiety often end up with physical pain. You know, they get back pain, headaches. There's a lot of stomach, you know, gastrointestinal digestion issues, all this kind of stuff. Now, PMR is an amazing and highly effective tool to change your controlling ways. And I, I, I really want to give you a challenge right now. I'm going to give you a recording I made to progressively relax your body. Okay, this this PMR, and I'm linking it here in the show notes, go to abbymetcalf.com forward slash uh, podcast, right? And this is episode 28. I want you to download. It's totally free. There's no strings attached. I want you to download it. And then I want you to create, it takes about 20 minutes to do it. Okay. To do the progressive relaxation correctly. And I want you to create a 20 minute time slot for seven consecutive days where you can lie down and listen to the recording without being, you know, bugged by whoever. And again, you can just download it uh, in the, from the link right into your iPhone or your smartphone and then put on your headphones and listen to it. It's that easy. So, and then I want you to do this for seven days straight and you are going to see You will absolutely see changes in just that short amount of time in how you feel. And by the way, this is an awesome thing to do right before you go to sleep at night, especially if you have any insomnia issues whatsoever. It's awesome. And trying to do the PMR, the progressive muscle relaxation on your own is sometimes difficult. It's much easier if someone is guiding you, which is what I'm doing. If you love the melodious sound of my voice, you will certainly... (laughs) Love it. I think I have some rain and sound in the background or something. Hopefully you won't have to go pee when you hear it. Um, But listen, download it, listen to it and try it. I'm telling you, check it out. And you'll see as you relax your body and get it into that relaxed state, your mind absolutely relaxes there. The research is true. It will absolutely help you be more relaxed during the day when you're running around and when you're doing things, your body will remember this relaxed state more. Okay. My second tool uh, to deal with your control issues is learning to delegate or cut out. And we say a lot, if it won't matter in five years, it doesn't matter now. You know, it's okay to hire people, use blue apron. You know, you're not ruining your kid if they only have one sport or activity at a time. The really important thing with delegation is you can't be attached to outcomes. No one else is going to do it just like you. And that's okay. 
So start with small things if this is especially hard for you, but find something and get someone else to do it today. (laughs) I don't care what it is. And by the way, it can be very easy things like asking someone else to carpool your kid one day a week or something, or, you know, anything that's going to take things off your plate to relieve your stress and your anxiety, which will help your control issues without a doubt. Okay. My third tip are boundaries, please. Boundaries. It's okay to say no, even if it's something you've always done so people expect it from you. If you've always been the chair of the auction committee, if you've always been the one to do the Christmas card every year, if you've always been the one to host the uh, family reunion in June, whatever it is, even if it's always you, you got to think about not making it you. (laughs) Or... If you do choose to do it, if you say, oh, I have to do the reunion every year and oh, I really enjoy it, then I need you to think about what you're going to get off your plate when that reunion planning is having to happen, when it's gearing up. So in other words, let's say the reunion is every June and you plan it right when school lets out. That's great. But now you're at the end of the school year. If you again, if you have kids, a lot of my listeners have kids, but even if you don't, you know, here you are, you've got work, you've got your animals, you have kids, whatever you got going on, you have your whole life, which is already very full. It's already very full. And when you add this on top, it's a little too much. So in those times when you add something big, I'd like you to look at what's on your plate. I'd like you to do number two, delegate or cut it out. So again, if you can maybe hire someone to mow the grass for two weeks so that you have Sunday afternoons for two hours free, maybe, uh, yeah, get someone to do gardening, uh, have your hire a cleaning person or hire a cleaning person and ask them to also do the laundry for two weeks. Again, it's a short period of time. It's not forever, but I always want you to think of this as you're adding big things. I uh, have a, you know, a client I'm thinking of who's had an operation and they're having all this knee rehab and it's the same thing. It's like, you can't just add all that to your already full life. So yes, they're taking some time off of work, but what else, you know, you need your mental energy for healing and you're going to have, things are going to be harder and you're going to be stressed. So what can come off your plate during a short amount of time and you can just add it back later. Okay. Number four, my fourth tip is let go of right. Uh-huh. There is actually not a right way to clean the kitchen counter. I, I know. Right now, people are yelling in their cars or wherever they're listening. What the hell, Abby? Of course, there's a right way to clean the kitchen counter. No, there's not. Let it go. Let it go. Let go of right. If someone is willing to do anything, then let that be enough. Now, if they're doing it half-assed, Try to have the most generous interpretation of them and their actions if you can. It doesn't mean you can't come back later and see what that's about, you know, see where that is. But don't set it as, if you did come back later, don't set it as a thing of you did this wrong because you didn't do it this way. Because that's not it. It's your way is not right. Your way is just the way you like it. So if you really believe someone is being passive aggressive and just sort of poked at something and didn't really do it, you can, then that's what you should be asking about. Not ordering them to do it better, but saying, hey, you know, what do you feel about, I've done this to my kids. I've said my little Max, especially, uh, you know, when he's, when I've told him to clean his plate or something or do something and I go in and it's just so half-assed, you know, it's not really done. There's chunks in the sink. There's everything. And I'll ask him, I'll call him and I'll go, so Max, I asked you to clear the plates. 
how do you think you did here? What, what kind of job do you think you did on clearing the plates? And he usually right away will cop to it. And he's like, okay, well, maybe not great. I said, all right. So what do you think should happen next? And he, he, he I guess I should finish. It. I'm like, that would be great because otherwise I do it. And, and I don't really appreciate that. You know, it doesn't feel good. And I, you know, you can do it with your spouse in the same way. If they are doing something for you and you don't like how they did it, Again, if you just don't like how they did it, that's one thing. But it, it, then I want you to shut up about it and just take it. But if <laughs> if you don't like how they did it because you think they were being passive aggressive or purposefully doing something a certain way, again, ask the question, hey, you know, how did you feel when I asked you to blah, blah, blah? Or what was going through your mind when you did X? Find out from them their state of mind. Don't assume. You don't know. Maybe they're having a headache. I don't know. But try to find out and get to that. So get to that conversation. That's the place you want to be. All right. And then my final tip for being less controlling is to dispute negative thinking with realistic self-talk. Okay. So what happens, and again, we get very controlling because we start thinking things like, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll never find love again if we break up, or I'll never get over it if he ignores me. Uh, we never make any changes that stick. We've been this way too long. This is just how it's always going to be. Do you think you get a little controlling when you think this stuff's going on? Yes. So it's this type of catastrophizing or generalizing, you know, if it doesn't work out this guy, it'll never work with anyone. It's so fear-based and it's not real, by the way. It's not real. This type of thinking comes from, it's a scarcity mindset. it's It's a fatalistic mindset. It comes from fear, not love. Okay, it really comes from fear, not love. So you're not staying in the relationship because you love your partner so much. If this is how you're thinking, you're staying because you're afraid of, you know, being alone, having his mother hate you, uh, the kids are becoming addicts due to your divorce. I know, I know how people think, um, you know, insert phobia and traumatic thinking here, right? So instead, I want you to ask yourself, what else could be true? What else could be true in this situation that's happening right now? That will lessen your anxiety, which will lessen the control issues. This feeling that you have to do something or fix it or work it or go back and talk about it or process more. Stop for a minute. The other question I love to ask is, ask myself is, if I was a calm together person, what would my reaction be right now? That's a great one. (laughs) If you can think of a calm together person that you really admire, put their name in there. You know, if if I could be this person, how do I think, you know, Anna Jones would react to this right now? How do I think she would handle it? And try to act like that, however you think she'd handle it, because that's probably that, you know, lesser level. Okay, so that's our show today, all about when you're controlling and what to do when when you're a little bit of a control enthusiast. As always, I hope that you send any comments. You can comment uh, on the podcast. I would love for you to review the podcast if you haven't done that already. I'd really appreciate it. It really helps helps me a lot. Um, I'd also like to give some shout outs to people who have given wonderful reviews. I really appreciate that. I'm going to start to do that. 
You can uh, also send me a message at abby at abbymetcalf.com. You can uh, send me something on Facebook or Instagram somewhere or LinkedIn, uh, any of those places where you can find me and let me know what your thoughts or feelings are. You can also post on the website underneath any of the podcasts or blogs. You can post a comment, ask a question, any of that, and we will get to them as you know. And I think that's it for today. Thank you so much for spending time with me. Again, you can check out the show notes at abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast, where I'll have the free uh, body scan, the progressive muscle relaxation for you that you can download. And I'll see you on the next, well, I'll talk to you at least on the next episode when we talk about what to do when your partner is the controlling one. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast at www.abbymedcalf.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.